Hey there, Fat Guy Forum fans. A huge Happy New Year as we enter 2022. And I'm excited that you're still listening to the show. If you'd like to support us, you can do a couple of things. First, if you're an Apple user or you use Spotify, you can rate and review the podcast there to get us in front of more people. Also, you can use the support links in the show notes to purchase products, get a discount for yourself, generate some income for the show, or you can join the Patreon. And there's some cool stuff coming with the Patreon I will be announcing very soon. I know I've said it before, but this time it's really happening. So I'm just excited for all that's to come in this year. Thank you so much for being a part of this adventure. And on to the show. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I'm excited to be with you today. With me, I have a guest that I, I, I'm really uh, excited to get him on the show. We, I've been trying to connect with him for a bit, and we have. And I, I think you're going to get a lot of this one. His name is Casey King, and you may recognize Casey's name if you are a television watcher, and we're going to get into that and all of those things. But Casey, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing pretty good. Good, man. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Let's let's get into it, man. Tell us, Casey, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Um, well, uh, when I was born, uh, I was... 12 pounds and like seven ounces. So I was a big baby. Um, I like seven, eight years ago weighed like 823 pounds. That was like the most I ever weighed. Uh, and, um, yeah, I've lived the life of an, oh, well, I would say now I live the life of a moderately overweight person, but for a majority of my life, I've been a obese and or morbidly obese person. So, yeah. Oh yeah. And of course, you know, you don't, you don't wake up 823 pounds, you know, no, you what, do not. <laughs> what, you know, and, and the interesting thing, you know, I think is like, so you were on the show family by the ton. There was a lot on there of you talking about your experiences in your life, like the, it, but your journey has gone on so far past that, like sitting down today, when you think about it, like, where did it, where did the, the weight issues like really start for you? And like, what do you think contributed to you getting to that point? I think that if I wasn't, uh, and this is, these are all just like, like guesses. Uh, this is just like, you know, me gesturing, like posturing of possibilities. I'm not a, anybody that would know anything about health or doctors or stuff like that or dietitian, but like I ate really bad as a kid. Like I remember indulging myself in all these things that I wanted as a kid. Like I was a very young child eating like a Big Mac meal and a double cheeseburger. Like I wasn't just, I, I was never a kid's meal kid ever in my life. Um, it was never going to be enough food. Uh, I would take food for my sister. I would finish my dad's food. It was, I had this like, inc like it was very hard for me to get enough. Uh, I had to be like super full or I just wasn't like, my hunger wasn't quenched. Uh, I was pretty active as a kid. You know, I was an outside kid. I grew up in the late, the mid to late 90s, I mean, uh, 80s, and then all the 90s. I was outside. We played tag. We played uh, hide-and-go-seek. We, you know, we had imaginations. We played in the dirt. We played on jungle gyms. Um, and I played recreational baseball every single summer. Uh, which I mean, I wasn't like running everywhere, but like I was, you know, in school, you're walking. I had a pretty active like lifestyle. Uh, and then after school, 
when I got out of school and I was always a depressed kid, but like, it's not really like a targeted thing. You would understand. Like you don't really sometimes realize you're depressed until after the fact and you're coming out of it. Uh, food was always a constant. It was one, like I have vivid memories of eating like cake icing with my hands hiding in the pantry. Uh, there, there were some summers where my mom would be at work and I was old enough. Uh, I would climb on top of a stool and get down the deep fryer and I would cook entire bags of like French fries, frozen French fries. And I would eat like half of them during the day. And then the other half of like then the last little bit, like later in the afternoon, uh, just covering it with salt and ketchup. Um, I had like, I would, you know, those little dollar fifty pizzas that were frozen. I would eat three of those. Not like the huge ones like DiGiorno, but they were like the, uh, Totino's cheap ones. Yeah. I would eat like three of those instead of one or two. Um, I, Annette, like, I remember one, I ate two lunches at school. Um, I just always liked food. Food has always been the thing that is not going to say no to me. Uh, it's always been my best friend. Uh, I was a weird social kid. I was loud. A lot of my friends' parents didn't let me in their houses uh, because I was loud. I was also mischievous. I had like ADD. I grew up in that time where everyone had ADD or ADHD, whatever. We all took Ritalin. Um, so yeah, like food has just always been like my friend. And then after high school, I had a lot of jobs at some restaurants, uh, Quiznos for five years. I ate there every day, twice a day, uh, footlong sandwiches. Uh, I worked at Old Charlie's, I ate there. I worked at a pizza place, I ate there. A steak. I mean, every restaurant I've ate, I've worked at, I ate at, and I like the food. That just sort of pushed the weight gain further and further. And when for you did, did it, do you feel like it really started to impact, like, your ability to like function in life. So on the show, it says that like my mom kicked me out for being overweight. There wasn't, so I had a job and I had lost my job. Uh, I can't remember which job this was that I lost. I think it was steers. Uh, and I was a server there, which is very shocking. Cause I was probably close to 500 pounds at that time. And I was a server. Um, there was a day where there was a miscommunication between me a table and a manager and uh, these people had complained about something that wasn't a real complaint. I thought that to basically shut them up, the manager at the time was giving them their meal for free. But I misinterpreted what he said in the short exchange of words. And the next thing you know, they're out of the restaurant. They're walking to their car and I'm watching them. And he's like, you should run and get them and tell them they never paid their tab. And my response to him was, I'm not running after them. But, like, they weren't, like, far away. But, again, like, I'm not running after anybody that's left the restaurant. Uh, but, like, I could not have gotten to them before they got in their car and drove off. And it was more so of, like, a, I'm a big dude. I, I can't catch them. Like, uh, I lost that job because of that interaction. Uh, and then I did go look for some jobs. But I got very lucky with that restaurant because it was opening and they needed people. And I was an experienced server. And I, had, I have a pretty good personality. I'm very personable. I'm never going to be known for my speed, but I'll be known for like being a personable person and like, you know, getting to know you and stuff. But so I lost that job. And then my mom was like, you need to find another job. I applied in a lot of places, but no one wanted to hire a 500 pound guy. Warehouses, nobody like this was in the early mid 2000s, like 2008, nine, maybe. So like a, a while back, but not 
forever ago, but yeah, no one wanted to hire me. Uh, I was not able to find a job. And that's when I was like, yeah, this is pretty bad. Like clothes weren't fitting me. Every restaurant I worked at, I had to buy an outsourced shirt and then get their logo sewn onto them. Uh, that steers place that I worked at, there was a steak restaurant. Uh, I had to get a shirt made for them. Uh, oh, Charlie's. I couldn't wear one of their shirts. I had to get an outsourced shirt from another company that I found. Uh, I think it was like the big and tall, not another company I found. I'm making it sound like I found it, but like, uh, I think it was JC Penney or Belks. One of them has like a really massive, uh, big and tall section. That's where we got it from. Um, also, shout out to Casual Mail for always being like there for me when I was fat. That's like the go-to big guy store because their sizes go up to like 10x. It's huge. Um, but yeah, so then I couldn't find a job and I just noticed, I, I just knew in my heart, I was like, I'm too big for anyone to hire. That was where it really probably hit me that like, this is going to be something that is, that I... This is something that's already gotten out of control. I probably knew after high school uh, when my friends would go to the gym and then I would like watch them work out and then we'd go get McDonald's and I'd eat a ridiculous amount of McDonald's. Uh, I already knew then that like my weight issue was only going to get worse. Like I ne I've never had a girlfriend in my life. Uh, I just now am at this point to where like I am... I don't want to say I like myself, but like I will accept compliments of like you're attractive, you're cute, you're you're, you're handsome, you're good. Now I will accept them a little bit. Like I'm just now starting to sort of like myself, but like not the saying always a bridesmaid, never a bride, but always friends of a girl, never a girlfriend of a girl with a girl. Like always a friend, never a boyfriend. Um, which is so funny because I was so popular, like. Dad bods, which is really what I had in like high school, uh, probably my twelfth grade. I had the perfect dad bod, but like that was not the thing. They wanted thin, ripped Abercrombie, Air Apostle, American Eagle, which I could wear American Eagle, but like Abercrombie Hollister wearing douchey asshole. Oh, sorry, I'm not. It's but okay. Like, <laughs> like they want those people, and now it's like dad bod central. And in high school, now I'd be like, "What's up, slaying?" But you know. I was just fat. Like I've no, always been fat. Always been fat. Which I which I think makes sense, man. Like I, I think something, you know, and I identify with this like in a lot of ways because, you know, having having got you know, I didn't get it, I wasn't as large as you were, but I was I was almost five hundred and fifty pounds. And I was bigger when I was growing up and bigger and, and popular in high school, but always the biggest guy, always the biggest person around. You know, I got I, I was probably in high school, got to like three fifty, and I think you know, I, you know, and again, I'm not a psych, I'm not a psychiatrist, a developmental studier or anything along those lines, but I, I think something affects you when you go through all those quote unquote normal developmental stages and you're bigger, like one, I think there, there probably is something, you know, hormonal that impacts people, but just the idea that you're kind of like on the outside during a lot of that time. And, you know, it, it has an impact on us and, you know, in so many ways that I'm sure we could, we could probably talk about for hours, like. But I, I think in the end, like, you know, like you're saying, like, it, that does have an impact. You realize what it's doing. And, you know, I, I think the question that then naturally comes up is, you know, you're in that place, you know, over 500 pounds, not finding jobs, which honestly, I relate to that so much in terms of like my experience when I was there. Um, what do you think, like, did you try to make change then? Or was it more 
like a resignation happened? Like what, what, what was going on with you, you know, on the inside when you were having those re revelations? So, so two big things before I answer that. The funny thing is in like my senior year of high school, I weigh pretty much the same thing now that I did then, but my body just carried the weight differently. Uh, I could probably be like 240, 235 without the extra skin hanging on me. But back in high school, I was my senior year, I was 250. There were people that were like massively larger than me. And I'm not, I didn't bully them, but I did, I did participate in like, if a group of people were making fun of fat people, I would make fun of fat people. Like, not so, I mean, it's almost a different thing because like you're a part of the crowd, you're a part of the group they're making fun of, but it, there's this thing in school where, like, if you join in and make fun of the people that you're a part of, you almost can step away from that group and say, I'm better than them. Like, because in, like, high school, you just want to be a part of the crowd that's popular and does, and, like, gets the most, like, has the most fun. And really, let's be honest, being in the fat group is not fun. Like, sure, they'll make it look like all the eating is fun, but a group of fat people just sitting around eating and getting fatter is not really fun. It's just kind of like you're all living in a disease that perpetuates itself and you're just kind of coasting and you're doing the one thing that makes you happy. So I was a big kid, but like there were people that were much larger than me. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to use the word bully because it's such a negative thing, but like I wasn't a bully, but I participated in slight bullying in high school of people that were bigger than me. Like not to their face, but like kids make fun of kids. Like, that's just the way it goes. Um, and and I'm, I'm guilty of that. Um, and also, like, there was there was another point that I was going to try and that I was trying to say. Um, I now can wear like my hoodie. I can wear my senior hoodie in high, that I couldn't even wear in high school. When I ordered it, it didn't fit. And now it, you know, it's almost like it's loose on me, which is funny because, like, I ordered those clothes in 2002 and 2003 and they were still tight on me then. I couldn't have worn them now. They fit decently and I can wear them, which is just, I find very funny. Um, you asked me about, oh, uh, no, wait, you asked me, uh, wait, hold on. What did you ask me? Well, we were talking about, we were talking about when you had gotten, you know, when you had lost the job and trying to find other jobs and realizing yeah, that your weight was, yeah, like, did you try to make change or was it like you just were, felt stuck? I can't remember. So my mother I know on the show they wrote her as to be some person that like is cold or, you know, she, she gave up on me. She tried to help me throughout all of my like overweight life, like all of it. She had me on every single pill there was before it was even like an established pill. You know how you had, okay, perfect example. You know how you may have had friends that had really bad acne in high school and they were on like Accutane. They were on all these things before they became name brands. They were on like, they were like, I had a friend and he was on like the test testing stuff for uh, all these ac acne products before they became even mainstream. Like he was, his parents had signed him up to be on this stuff so he could basically, because he had really bad acne. Uh, and so he was on this stuff before it was even hitting the market. That's what my mom did for me. I took Metabolife. I took Fentamine. I took uh, something else where they had to check my blood every month. I took this other pill. Uh, uh, it was, I think it began with a C, uh, I did, my mom spent, uh, $500 on me for three months of, uh, um, God, what is that God awful meal plan? That's low carb, low calorie. 
everything's made of like dirt and you add water to it. Um, it's one of those, oh my God, like you can add mustard to the chili and it's edible. But there, I can't remember the name of the, the line, but it's one of those like they send you all this freeze dried uh, stuff and you just got to add like water to it and then put it in the oven in the microwave. Uh, it's really awful. Um, she it sounds bought, she like spent $500 it. on that. I can't mm -hmm. remember. That's okay. Um, uh, and she spent money on that to get me on that. She she had me a gym membership when I was in high school. We never went. I had an L I had a Gold's gym membership for like two years. I literally went three times, I think. Uh, which is funny because I went after they canceled it with my friends and would like you know just hang out with them while they worked out. Um, I did try to correct it. <clears throat> nothing ever stuck. Um, nothing. I don't know if I just didn't think it was possible or I didn't want to put the work in. I really don't know where my mindset was. Maybe I was more focused on having fun and doing other things. Uh, I, I just, I mean, I, you would have never seen me hiking in the woods in the summer when I was like in my late teens, early 20s, or even my, like I just was not that person. I would go in the woods with some friends and go find a creek, but like the amount of hiking I've done in my 30s, and like, not, not marathons, but I've, you know, three years ago, I was in three 5Ks in the in the month of October. I probably didn't walk a 5K throughout my early 20s. I mean, for, throughout my late 20s, early 30s. Like, I just was not an active person and I gave no, sh no interest in that lifestyle at all. And now it's like, I always want to be gone. I always want to be going to do things. I always want to be out and about. I actively try to make smarter choices when I'm eating. Back when, back in those days, you know, I would take a metabolite, but I was having a sweet tea at dinner. Like, I just wasn't a healthy, conscious person. And obviously, the things got worse. You know, going from five hundred to over eight hundred. Like, what, what do you think brought you to that point? So actually, I, I remember this this all pretty vividly. So I moved in with my dad, uh, and then we. He knew that one of the things in life that made me happy were food, so we were already eating pretty bad. Um, I got a job with a uh, local, not, it's not, I wouldn't call it a traveling poker company, but it was like bar poker where they set up tables inside a bar. You play, you earn a gift certificate. Usually it's a league. You get points. There's a At the end of the month, there's a big game with all the top point people or whatever. You can play for like a cash prize because of the tournament. Um, and I got a job with them, and I would go, Again, also another reason I gained a lot of weight throughout this is because I was playing that a lot in my 20s at bars and I was eating like nachos at bars, burgers and fries at bars, chicken tenders and chicken wings at bars, like always fried, unhealthy, very salty, savory meals with like gallons of sweet tea uh, or Coca-Cola. But uh, I got a job with this company. Uh, I stayed at my mom's one night and I slept in my old room because I had to be up. Uh, I, got, I basically went there for a nap. Or something and then I was sleeping on the bed and I rolled off my old bed and she had replaced the mattress that fit the bed and put a smaller mattress on it and so the frame was still like larger and out and it was metal I had a really bad sleep apnea at the time even back then because I was you know I was 500 pounds you don't sleep well I would roll around in my sleep um, I rolled off the bed and the oh god it hurts even thinking about it. Uh, the corner of the mattress uh, of the bed frame went through my ankle and uh like i have this huge gash on my right ankle uh from where like the skin was busted open uh i guess i was in shock 
because I wrapped my foot up with a sock. Uh, I didn't feel anything, and I walked downstairs and got in the car and then drove 40 minutes from my mom's house to where my dad lives. And I was like, hey, Dad, can you help me bandage this up? And he was like, what happened? Like, it, my whole foot was covered in blood. Uh, the sock was drenched. I was like, what happened? What's go-? I'm like, I got this cut. And he's like, that's not a cut. That's a like a deep gash. You have to get that sewed up. So then we went to the hospital locally in Jackson. Uh, terrible. Uh, whatever. Uh, I got it sewn closed, and then the guy was like, yeah, man, I hate it. Like, you're not going to be able to move for a little while. Your skin is like, the way this is cut, and we had to pull it out to sew it, the skin is so tight that if you put weight on it, it'll bust open, and it's going to keep reopening. Um, so just stay off it. So that gave me an excuse to not be on my feet for weeks, uh, and we just continued to eat really bad, and I ballooned. Like, in a couple months, I probably gained 100 pounds, uh, like I, I got enormous, uh, very quickly. Uh, then I got bigger and bigger and, uh, yeah, I was 800 pounds. Like I remember the day we found out I was 800 pounds, that whole story of how that happened. If you want that, I'll tell you. Uh, so, so when you're, when you're that size, clothes don't really fit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to explain the whole like being naked thing first. Uh, so when you're big and you're standing up, your body kind of does the water balloon effect. Oh, yeah. Where you're holding the knot and then everything's kind of stretched out. So clothes will fit. Sit that water balloon down, it expands. And then you're, and then when you're really big, as you probably know, the clothes you have to wear are drawstring clothes. So you have to tie them tight. And then when you sit down and your body expands, those strings begin to like cut into you. It's almost like you're wearing a belt really tight at dinner and you want to undo it. So, like, you're getting cut into you by these strings. So, most of the time, it was just most, I was mostly sitting down. The strings weren't long enough. So, I was just naked. I would just cover up with a sheet. I would just wear maybe gym shorts or nothing. Uh, I was naked a majority of the time, uh, which is not something I'm proud of. So, uh, there was a day my family had come over for a cookout. I had gotten in the floor to play with my dog or something like that. Uh, and I couldn't get up. I just literally could get, not get off the floor. Uh, my cousins were here, uh, not the ones from the show, uh, but my cousin Tanya and her husband uh, were here with like their kid or something. Lynn, my other, which is Tanya's sister, was here. And uh, we called my cousin Ed, who was on the show, over working in the fire department. He brought a friend of his, and they put a bed sheet behind my back and then lifted me up under my arms. Uh, they were both firemen, so they knew how to do this kind of, you know, they, they're like paramedic basically right. trained. They helped me get up, and then my cousin was like, listen, if you want to lose weight and you want some help, you got you definitely have oxygen issues. You should just tomorrow go to the ER. So we drove to Emory in Atlanta, and I was admitted into the emergency room. They put me on oxygen. Uh, I stayed in the hospital for three and a half weeks just for being overweight and my blood oxygen level not ever uh, leveling out. Uh, so found out I had sleep apnea. I lost. I would so they put me on one of those bariatric beds in recovery or in the intensive care unit because that's where they moved me first. And my mom was like, "What are these numbers?" I was like, "I have no idea." I'm drunk off air right now. I have no idea where I even am. And then the doctor walked in. And he's like. Oh, that's the uh, pressure uh, being measured by the weight of your son on the bed. And she's like, so what does that mean? He's like, that's how much he weighs. And that's how we know it was 823 pounds. Because that was the number on the bed. 
yeah, I lost. I was at Emory for like three and a half weeks, I think. Uh, maybe less. You know, I always go with that number, but I think it might have been less. I'm not sure. Uh, I think I lost 55 pounds or like 40 pounds just being there, being on their sleep schedule, eating what they wanted me to eat, breathing better, sleeping better. I lost 40 pounds doing that. Uh, I went home. I, I was on oxygen. Uh, I started going to the gym and, and walking and then eventually swimming a little bit. I lost down to 500 and uh, like 60 pounds, something like that. Uh, and then I and then I plateaued really hard. Tried to change a little bit of things, but wasn't wasn't willing to give up a few more things I was eating. Wasn't willing to get more active because I was still really big. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Depression hit, and we ballooned back up to seven hundred eleven pounds. Enter family by the ton opportunity. Well, be, be, and before we get into that, like let's you know one of the things I want to say, like I, I I've talked about this on the show before, like I think. W- and this is like a little minutia that I just think is is important for people, especially guys out there or, or women, I'm sure, deal with this too, to hear that they're not strange for dealing with like that shape-shifting effect when you're that big and you go from standing to sitting or laying down and your body, you know, your dimension's just changing. And that meaning oh, yeah. you know, the clothes go from fitting to not fitting to, you know, yep. looking quote-unquote good to what's happening. Like just the idea, you know, even... You know, the base example, like if you're wearing a shirt and especially like bigger guys wearing a button down shirt, standing up, it can look great. You sit down and the buttons look like they're holding on for dear life. Like as one example, law and order, every time those lawyers stand up from their table, they are like a lawyer or a, a businessman. He unbuttons his jacket because he knows if he's sitting down, uh, it might, you know. Like they, they button their jacket standing up, but then when they sit down, they unbutton it because like it'll look different and you may literally break a button. Like a shirt may look okay standing up, but as soon as you sit down, you expand. Uh, it's just what your body does. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and I know that's a, I know that's a minutia of, of the whole situation, but you know, I, I think some people don't get that. Like sometimes oh, like yeah, they don't yeah. really, and they're like, well, you can find a shirt that fits. It's like, well, it fits in this, when I stand in this specific spot. When yeah. I move, like they don't understand, it doesn't it doesn't it, work. For it to fit in both situations, you almost have to wear like a bed sheet. Like you got to wear something big enough to where it's like draping over you, and then it's going to look like it's swallowing you standing up. But when you sit down, it looks like oh, okay, it does hold it. Like that's why they make they make they make you know XLT is large and tall because mm-hmm. you when you when you're fat, you're sacrificing width for length. Mm-hmm. So well, like. It's just no. Well, we could we could also go on about the fact that like most of the big and tall stores, even they they don't make shirts to actually fit bigger bodies. They just keep making them wider and wider and wider. You know, it's it's you know it it could be a that could be a whole episode of this show talking about those challenges for people. I mean, there are people like it's a thing where you well in the south it's a huge thing where like you'll see a guy that's big and he'll have the bottom of his belly's like poking out. I don't always blame them because I know finding shirts are hard to find, but then sometimes they're just they're just obviously wearing a shirt that they bought the definite wrong size for, and they may just have not wanted to buy a new shirt. But like sometimes your belly's gonna poke out. Mm-hmm. Oh, just, for sure, that sucks. And. And it's crazy what you went through, like, I, you know, knowing that, you know, going through that hospital experience, the 
losing the weight, putting it back on. And then this opportunity comes, you know, for the show. Like, how did that even come about? Um, well, me and my mom, uh, when I when I say she really did exercise all possibilities, we had looked into to, to, uh, sleeve surgery, some kind of gastric uh, bypass, some kind of bariatric surgery a couple times. I had went to a, uh, a question, uh, an open forum question thing at a doctor's office. I talked to doctors uh, and surgeons and stuff, and, and I had knew a little bit about it. But it was scary because I thought I would die because um, I, I never had surgery ever in my life. I'd never been put under at all. Um, and then they always say that they were like, you know, when you're under, you could die. Well, that's a really casual thing to tell someone that's never had surgery. It's pretty scary. Uh, my life is already teetering on the edge of like, I'm not going to live. And now you're telling me to do something. It may improve the quality of my life, but it also may kill me. So it's like, is this even worth it? Um, but I had a friend. Uh, her name's Amanda. She messaged me one day on Messenger. was like, hey, would you be interested in uh, being on this TV show that would involve uh, weight loss surgery? And I was like, sure, yeah. Like, I, I've always been told that you should be on TV. You're funny, whatever. So I'm. I'm not saying like I was meant for the screen, but like I was already like, oh, that'd be cool to be on TV. Cool. Uh, that's beforehand. I mean, it, it still was cool, but like I didn't know it was going to turn out like it did. Um, and she was like, well, I have a friend who has a friend who has the opportunity to be on a show. So if you're interested, I'll get you in touch with them and then they'll get you in touch with the other person. That friend was Amanda, who was in the last episode with me because she's a very great friend of mine. She would say best friend. She's, I guess, a best friend. Um, uh, she got me in touch with a friend of hers. I'm spacing on that girl's name. But the friend of the friend of the friend was Amy, who is my air quotation marks cousin on Family by the Time. Because mm. we're not really related. Me, her, nor the other woman, Amanda, that were on the show. So you guys aren't even really related? I literally didn't know. <laughs> the first day I met Amanda that was on the show, was the very first day they filmed them all at my house at the barbecue and like the grill out thing. Mm. That was the first day I ever met Amanda. Uh, I had met a, I had met Amy a few times because we went through the full casting for TLC on the for the whole thing. Like me and her were in Skype calls with the producers. We were in Skype calls with the talent people from TLC. We were in uh, and Amy was the one in touch with them most of the time. Uh, the production people had come to my house and spoke to us. Uh, there was another woman that was possibly going to be on the show, but she wasn't on it because it very much, we could tell that she wasn't interested in, in being a part of the show. She was more so interested in just getting the surgery. Like she didn't want TLC to contact her family. She didn't want them involved with her job. She didn't want to be filmed like naked or any take pictures or whatever. She didn't want none of her life involved. Uh, and you know, Hope the best for her, but I have no idea what's going on with her in her life. I literally can't even remember her name. Um, but she was big, big. Like I'm, I was massive, and as a man, I can tell you she was about my size. I mean, me and Amanda were huge. Uh, this woman was our size or bigger. And I've I've, I've had someone from uh, Six Hundred Pound Life on the on the show before, and we've talked about what you see versus production and and all of that. Like, what was when you st when you actually got involved, you know, once the sh once the filming and everything actually started, you know, what was that like for you? Was it what you expected? Was it completely different? Like what what happened? 
So, um, you hear you're going to be on TV. And you if you have personality, it's everything you've kind of hoped for. You're like, I'm about to put myself on, on the show. It's going to be great. They're going to actively work with my lifestyle to put it on TV. And then I'm going to get this transformation. Nay, nay. No. Um, these are people that have a real job. These are people that start work at an early time. So if you sleep late, you're waking up for them. Like you're waking up on the time they need you awake. You have to be places they want you to be. They're going to, there is no like, you're not on, you're just on. Like I really thought, I didn't know, first off, I was, I was, I was not familiar with like TLC's kind of like twist of things. Um, I, I was genuinely me. Um, like they amped me up, but as far as me being Casey, I am a sarcastic guy. I am. I try to be pretty funny and witty and personable. Uh, I was a negative, uh, baby uh, asshole. Like I was. I was not fun to be around a lot of the time. Uh, they did amp up some situations and twist some scenarios to make me look worse. But I was a man child. I was a baby. I did not want to take responsibility of the situation I was in. Uh, I still stand by a lot of the things that I said on the show, but. Um, I, it, I did not expect the show to come out and everyone's going to be like, we love Casey, but I did not expect the show to come out. And people were like, yo, if I knew you, I would run you off the road. If I knew you, I would come to your house and literally beat the life out of you. Like you're a terrible person, this, this, and this, like, I did not expect that kind of uh, outcome. Um, the show is real. Um, me, Amy, Amanda, and Ed were all massively overweight. We all needed to lose weight. We all participated in the show for the main goal of losing weight. Uh, we all had surgery. We all are doing great now, and we've all lost weight. I don't. I can't so much speak for. Okay, I could, but I won't because that's. I'm not. I'm not. It's not my place to speak on things that they twisted for Amy, Ed, or Amanda. But for me. The day we started interviewing for the show, I knew I was getting the surgery. Um, the very first day, I was like, the reason I got on the show was two things. TV's cool, and I'm going to get this surgery for free, and I have no insurance, so I have to do this. Was it scary? Yes. Were there times where I was like, eh, you know, maybe I'm going to be able to change my lifestyle somehow and actually lose the weight? Sure, possibly, but most likely, I'm fully getting the surgery. Like, this is an opportunity I cannot turn down. On the show, you would think that I was almost never getting the surgery. Um, the very first time I talked to Dr. Proctor, he had said, Casey, I have a challenge. Uh, in order to show that you know, you're know you committed to this lifestyle, I need you to lose 50 pounds. The way the show was written and produced and put out there, you would when it came to that weigh-in before the surgery, I guarantee you almost the way it was produced, nobody thought I was going to have lost 50 pounds. No one. Meanwhile, I lost 80. I lost almost double the amount that they told me to lose. I was actually trying. I Now, there's a burger party situation, which is completely not even... Like, literally, that one scenario is an altered, fabricated situation that the TLC people made that was not at all factual. 
They took fragments from an entire other argument and conversation and then looped those things in. That was a day where we had, me and Amy and Amanda had a really big argument. But it wasn't about the fact that I was eating hamburgers with Ed. It was about they thought I wasn't committed to the process because I wasn't answering their text messages. Well, they all had iPhones. And back then I had a really, really garbage Android. And they had tried to send me a picture, but that picture text never went through because for some reason these iPhone users will not send a picture through like Messenger. They have to text. It blows my mind. Um, so they tried to send it to me through text and it got it never got sent. So but systematically, all of us were in a group text thread. And every time they tried to text me, the very first thing their phone would do was try to send that picture. And that picture would fail, so then every other text message would fail. Meanwhile, I'm at home constantly getting this message of like error SMS, error SMS, error SMS. Meanwhile, what I didn't know was it was them texting each other in the group chat and me not getting those text messages. So I asked them, like, what's going on? What is this thing? Like, we don't know. I'm not texting you. I don't even know what's going on. They didn't mention, they never put it in their heads that they were texting in the group text. They weren't texting me individually. But they were sending group texts, and I wasn't getting any of them. I, what's even funnier is I messaged Amanda, and I was like, hey, like, are you okay? I'm reaching out because I haven't heard from y'all in a while. She was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Everything's fine. We had a whole conversation where I mentioned to her that I wasn't getting their text messages, and we talked on Messenger through Facebook, and then she still never mentioned anything about the group text. She never mentioned that they thought that I was ignoring them. Then uh fast forward to Ed's surgery day, they they um I'm not gonna say assault. What is the word? They confront me with the we don't think you're committed to this because you're not answering us in the group text. I'm like, what group text? I literally pull out my phone, I'm showing them things. I'm like, you haven't texted me. I I, I literally don't have any text from any of you. And I'm like, the times your texts have come through, I've responded. I, I pull up the group chat. And there's this whole thing they're recording, but they edited everything out about the phones. That was the meat and potatoes of the whole argument that they thought I was uncommitted. And then at the end of that, they go, yeah, what's these burger parties you're having with Ed? Mike, Gordy, I don't know what mm-hmm. you call yourself in here. <laughs> I, do, I, have, I have ate at a thousand barbecues, grill outs, uh, uh, things in my life. I've never heard the term burger party in my life. But I, I can tell you what a burger party probably is. It's a real quick, catchy, niche, the niche-like thing, like a catchphrase that a producer would come up with on the spot to give two women to like confront someone about something. Yeah, what's the, what are these burger parties Casey and Ed are having? Like, I'm telling you right now that I'm literally getting heated from the whole situation because I still, to this day, get mad about it. And I go, I go, I don't know what you all have in your refrigerator. I don't know what you eat on on your like downtime, but yeah, my dad grilled out. I had a hamburger with some potato chips. I made a fat monster hamburger and then ate a half another patty with no bread, with like ketchup and cheese. I, it was a bad time, but I was dieting constantly. I was losing weight very well. And these people, by the way, I never confronted Amy and Amanda for anything. The production people 
constantly were like, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? And I was like, I don't, I don't really care. It doesn't involve me. Like, you know, I know they're doing their thing. So why would I make judgments about them? The only time I ever got heated about things were things that were directly involving me because I didn't like how I, I noticed at one point that I was going to be portrayed in a very bad way. That's another thing. I went into the whole show being like, I'm just going to be me. Everything's going to be cool. I'm not going to look that bad. Then at one point I realized, oh, wait, like Amy isn't always like that. Amanda's not really always like that. Ed's not really always like that. I was like, these people have like personalities. They're turning on for TV. Like what is going on? Like I know Ed as my cousin. I've known him my whole life. He's a sarcastic, funny, joking, like ribbing asshole. Like he's not an asshole, like a bat. I mean, okay, I've said that like five times. It's okay. Um, he's, not, he's not. He's not that kind of person to be rude. He just is that dude that will poke funny and poke jabs. And I'm not saying he's a bad father. He's a great dad. But like they wrote him to be this father of the year figure. They wrote Amy to be this. You know, I got to lose this weight for my job. Oh, I just want to teach these kids to be better. Amanda, I just want to live. I've got cancer. And, that, and I'm not trying to downplay that. I'm just saying they wrote everyone in as a role. Casey? Oh, he's just some fat big baby that doesn't want to get his life together and needs some tough love. Literally, that's what they wrote me as. That's what I was portrayed as. That's who I was. So this day, this huge argument, it got cut down, edited down to just, Casey, you're eating hamburgers all the time. I don't want you guys involved in my life. Shut up. That's it. Got literally edited down to like a five minute argument where like it was legit twenty five minutes of them accusing me of things, me getting very loud because I am loud, getting emotional and loud, and being like, "If you two don't shut up, I will legit just walk out of here and be done with the whole process." You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm doing. I have been losing weight. And you're accusing me of all this stuff when I know I'm doing a good job. I was losing my mind. Mm. And the funny thing is, is like, my dad knew what was going on. And I don't expect him to get as emotional as me. My mom, I don't even know if she was there for when Ed had his surgery. She was there for mine. But, I, and I don't, even if, I wouldn't expect her to pop up. But I have no, no qualms, no issues. Speaking my mind when I get to an emotional state of like, I can't do this. Like once I start crying, I'm really probably going to say some things I shouldn't say because I lose control emotionally. And I felt like that whole day I was being, I mean, Gordy, again, I don't know if he calls yourself Mike or Gordy. On well, here. it's Gourmet. 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 With an M. Yeah, there you go. It's okay, but you can do Mike. It's fine, man. It's fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> so even... I'm literally staying on this tangent for so mm -hmm. long. It's okay. It's we'll we'll move on in a minute. <laughs> when when the day of Ed's surgery, when we got to the hospital, I was the first one there. Amy and Amanda both showed up before Ed. We talked. Everything was good. Everything was going fine. We were all laughing, making jokes. Everything was cool. They never mentioned anything to me about, why, Casey, so really, why aren't you answering these text messages? Are you ignoring us? They never mentioned anything. We go into the waiting room. It's like a, uh, it was like a, uh, they do classes in it or like meetings because we weren't in the normal waiting room. We were in like a specific room set up for us to wait and be filmed. Um, we go in there and Ed gets pulled back. And then uh, the producer, Rob, pulled Amy or Amanda out of the waiting room 
And then they came back in there. She sat down. And that's when she basically turned to me and said, look. And that's when it all started. They had already both spoke to Rob and knew that they were confronting me on this. He set this whole thing up to be done on camera so I could be confronted, like uh, caught off guard. And they did this whole thing because they knew there's one thing everyone involved in this show knew. I would react. My friends to this day will bother me, bug me, irritate me because I'm very funny when I explode. Like I'll say some dumb stuff. I'll get loud. I'll go on a tangent. I'll start yelling, but not like, like if you're my friend and you're just being an idiot, I won't be like emotional and start crying and yelling at you. I'll just get frustrated and yell at you and call you an idiot. And like, it'll be funny. But like they knew then that if they amped up this situation or if they stirred this pot and added the right ingredients to this fire, that I was going to explode. And that's what they got. Everyone else knew to turn on like a personality except for me until like the end of the show. Which I appreciate you kind of pulling back the curtain on that for us. Like I think it's something, when I, like I said, when I've talked to people who have been involved with other shows, I think it's a similar thing. This idea that there's the experience of the person who's on the show and the the work of production to create story and craft things. And, you know, I think we all know at this point that reality TV is the, the, the word reality should be in quotes for, for most of it. Like, but what the, the thing that I think is important man, is not just, you know, kind of how they portrayed you with the show and along those lines, like how was, what was it like going through the experience, like for you to get ready for the surgery and knowing you were going to go through that? And what was that experience? You know, what was the surgery itself like for you? Um, I'm going to try and force myself to remember two things to tell you at the end of this about the point you just made about like how fake reality is. Or you um, want to, if you want to jump into that first, you can. Okay. People constantly to this day on when I'm live on YouTube or if I'm doing a thing on a, like TikTok question or like a, or like an Instagram uh, thing where I put up a question, they'll ask me, what do you think of Amy and Tammy Slayton? I don't have a really good opinion of them, but that's based on stuff that I heard before the show. I will never judge anyone off of a TLC show because I know I can literally, just because I was on TLC, on that one show, I can now see things set up on the Bravo Network, on TLC Network. Like There are situations that, are, that occur only because production gets involved. There are scenarios and things that only occur because production get involved. Like even things with, um, oh my God, uh, what's the show with the guy that does the clothes in Atlanta and now they live in like Nashville? Uh, something knows best. Oh, I know what one you're talking about. I'm not a big, I'm not big into that kind of. That Chris kind Christie, of the there Christie, we go. Christie there we go. Like I know that there are situations that are literally created by production. There are there are all these things in these reality type shows now. Like, you know, people don't go to the people don't go and say, hey, I want to talk to you. Let's go to this restaurant. No, like like most of the time people just have phone calls and not everyone is always on their camera phone. Like, I don't know if everyone really FaceTimes on iPhones. I really don't know. I don't think so. Like there are things that specifically production and the t in the TV show people will ask them to do and perform because they need these interactions of people together. These, these, some of these things where people are just so like, I did this and this, but like, 
you would have never even known they did this. How did you find out? Oh, that's because production told you. Like, they'll literally be like, Becky said this about you. Rachel, why don't you go talk to Becky? Hey, Becky, why'd you say this about me? How'd you find out? Oh, you know, a little birdie. Yeah, pr production is that little birdie. Like, they create these situations. I will never judge someone. I can't even watch those shows. I will also, I'll never watch an overweight show because it just emotionally hits me so hard. Um, I have a ridiculous amount of emotional empathy for people that are overweight because of the stuff that I went through. Like, I literally will see people and I'll be like, I want to approach them in public. Like, have you ever considered, like, like bariatric surgery? Like, do you have insurance? It saved my life. Let me tell you my stuff. I don't do that because I don't know how they'll react to that. I don't, you know, people are weird. But, you know, when you, when you approach them, they're weird. Not just that they're weird because they don't want to talk about that. But, like, I will never judge someone off a TLC show or a, re a reality show. I mean, Survivor and Big Brother as well. Like, none of that stuff. Because I know how much production is involved. I know how many scenarios are created and tweaked. Like all those housewives of whatever, on the first season, they're literally playing a role. But in their like ninth season or whatever, they probably more so have now become these characters because they make so much money to be on all the time. Like, so then they more so kind of are those people. But I don't blame them. They're making tons of money just for like, uh, Tammy or Amy. I don't know which one hasn't had the surgery. The reason their show is still in production is because they have constant strife and controversy now because one of them got the surgery, her life is thriving, and the other one still refuses. That's the only reason that show continues to be made. It's not because they're fan favorites. It's because they constantly are a train wreck and they have controversy because one of them is doing well and the other one is not. If they both had had the surgery and lost weight, it would have never been a second season. Ever. They have TLC has never approached me once about doing any kind of update. The only one of us that's ever been on another show with T TLC or Discovery Plus is uh, Amanda. And that's because she's, she's like a... I don't want to say she's a bigger advocate. She's been in touch with more people. More women have reached out to her for weight loss. And she has helped a lot of people. I try to give a little bit of help, but I'm not like a, she's turned into like a coach almost. And I haven't, I haven't done that kind of like, uh, uh, I haven't done that transition. I haven't decided I want to be a coach. I'll give someone a little bit of help, but like, I'm like, Hey, my help is only through what I did. I'm not going to tell you what to eat to be healthy. Cause I only did it through the surgery. So like, yeah, my, my whole, like, I like people have approached me and literally called the show I was on a documentary and that blows my mind. I'm slapping my bed. I'm getting so hyped up. That blows my mind that they think that a TLC show is a history channel documentary. I like even gold rush on discovery was fake. Like it was like the, all these shows where they're filmed in time are production set up. But people just don't. This dude that hit me up a couple months ago on Instagram, he hated me. He was from like the UK. He legit hated my existence. Uh, and, I, and I never turned a, you know, I was very sarcastic with him, but I never was negative. I was never an asshole to him. Um, But he really legit like despised me. And I was like, dude, it wasn't, it wasn't a documentary. You keep calling it that, but it was just a reality show. And he was like, well, that's reality. I'm like, no, no, no. There's the term reality show, which means like it's not real reality. 
it's set up scenarios like the meat and potatoes of it is real, but like the garnish around the show is really set up and fake. And he just wouldn't get it. Like he fully believed everything. And I was like, okay, man, sorry. Which so let's let's dive into the reality. You know, you were at that point, you know, seven hundred pounds. You were you started losing weight, obviously, to what you needed to do before the surgery, and you had the surgery. Like what what happened to Casey through all that? Well, I mean, TLC would have you believe that I was working out with a Greek golden chiseled god named Dez, but I only worked at, like, people to this day message me. Hey, do you still work out with that guy Dez at the gym? That was one day filmed specifically for the show. I've met Dez once, and that was that day. We've spoke a couple times through Instagram. The guy still looks unbelievable, um, and he's legit a really great trainer. I probably would have lost more weight if I kept seeing him. But that was a thing they set up one day. I've only worked out with him one time. Um, the, I mean, the process went well. I, I don't even really know what to credit for all the weight I lost because I just, it's like I did cut back on eating. I did eat better. I got more active. And, and like getting the surgery was terrifying. Um, it scared the crap out of me. Uh, oh, like Ed. Who had surgery first? I think Amy or Amanda. Amanda did. Amanda had surgery. And then hers didn't go well. She, uh, I don't know exactly what things she, she dropped the ball on. I know she got dehydrated, which is, I mean, she didn't do, do it, drink enough liquids. That's on her. Uh, and then I think she also had an allergic reaction to one of the, uh, uh, not pain relievers, but like blood thinners or so, something like that. So that's not on her. But she had a really rough uh, recovery. Then Ed had the, then Ed had the snow. Then Amy had the surgery. Amy also dehydrated, had a really bad reaction to something else, but then also did something else that was wrong. I believe she had a terrible recovery. And then Ed does the surgery. That man's working two days later. He's at work. Like he was crushing it. And I was like, wait. So two of them had one of them had a really bad reaction. The other one had a really bad reaction and kind of caused it. They both are dehydrated. Ed has a surgery. Now he's working two days later and he's feeling fine. Okay, I don't know. I'm still a little weary. Like I literally had one fantastic scenario and then two kind of sketchy ones. Um, I went into the surgery. I walked in the hospital that day and i cried at the registry counter i cried walking to the waiting room i cried when they called me back uh, and i got up to walk out of the room like i'm hugging my mom and my dad i cried there i cried walking to the operate to the uh to the room where my you know where they you lay down on the bed they put the iv in you uh and then i also cried as they rolled me back to the operating room um i was terrified i thought i was gonna die uh i did not think i was gonna live at all. Um, really scary stuff. But you did live. I did, yeah. It's you crazy. did. Uh, you woke up. You you came through it. What was... I'm curious, though, because I've had a lot of a lot of guys on the show that have gone through surgery, and some that were near, even near the size you were. And one of the things, like, I think, like, you've talked about really well today, and even, you know, comes through on the show, is that relationship with food that you had. You know, what that, you know, because like, I'll, I'll be honest with you, like the first time, you know, the first time I watched the show, 
you know, when it was first on and, you know, the, the quote, you know, of you saying, you know, about eating yourself to death, like that resonated with me because that was the life I was living. Like I had made that decision that that's what I was going to do, you know, and I eventually made change, but, you know, I had been through that, that point, like knowing that deep of a relationship you had with food, like, what was it like having that change and having to then work on, you know, keeping that change? Okay, man, we're going to, I'm going to try and blaze through all these points. One, um, it is very interesting to me that food addiction will never get the seriousness and like the serious discussion it deserves as much as like an alcohol addiction, cocaine addiction, heroin addiction, meth addiction. Like you'll never hear someone speak about food and how dangerous it can be when it's literally a legal drug, basically, almost, that you can take forever and indulge in and, and kill yourself with, and no one will ever blink an eye. They will never even... You can go to McDonald's and order $1,000 worth of McDonald's food, and they'll just be like, okay. Like, they're going to be like, damn, we don't want to make all this food, but they're not going to like be like, that's all... I mean, no, we can't do that. That's crazy. Like, they're going to give you that food. Heroin... You can't do in front of somebody for five seconds without them freaking out. Like, I can drown myself in food and no one's going to say a thing. It's accepted. But if I start shooting, smoking meth, you know, then someone's going to say something. Um, I I had an addiction and people don't even credit it to an addiction. I, food was the only thing that made me happy. I had a gaming addiction. But again, that's a gaming addiction I fell into because of my situation with my health and my my physical body. I was I didn't want to go outside. I didn't want to move around because I was huge. So I've gotten I literally don't even game anymore. All of my Xbox and my gaming console is just covered in dust. Um, I turn it on for five minutes once a month, and then I turn it off because it's just boring. Um, I eat a ridiculous amount less now than I did. I do eat more than I originally did after surgery, but like, because my stomach is stretched out a little bit, but like, I can't eat anywhere the amount I norm I used to. Uh, I'm, I'm very much still an enjoyer of food. Like, I love it still, but I'm very much, I have so much more self-control than I ever did. And I can make healthier choices that leaps and bounds better than I used to. I mean, there was a point to where I was working at a Quiznos and I was eating a foot-long sandwich twice a day, covering it in mayonnaise and honey mustard, fried chicken tenders, bacon, lettuce, uh, which is not a health, I mean, it is a healthy thing, but like cheese, uh, oh my, I mean, all the ham, pepperoni, salami, uh, capicola, and then, you know, mozzarella cheese, oil, vinegar, mayonnaise, mustard bacon. I mean, I would make the most gross. They were amazing sandwiches, but like they were full of calories. And I would drink that with a Pepsi and eat two bags of Doritos. Like, you know, now I can go to a restaurant and I can be like, yo, let me get uh, this piece of grilled chicken. Uh, Like I'll go to a Mexican restaurant and I'm not getting um, nachos. I'm not getting a big giant burrito. I'm like last night I had shrimp enchiladas and the only thing I ate was the enchiladas. Uh, uh, or I'll go and I'll get like a piece of chicken. It is covered in cheese, but it's grilled. And then it's got cheese and like veggies on it. I don't even eat the rice and beans. Ever. Like I I almost never overindulge myself in like carbs. I'll have a little bit of chips and salsa. But like I, I don't get sub sandwiches. I don't. Uh, I mean, I will go to Wendy's and McDonald's. But I'll throw the bread away because I try to be keto. So I'll have like 
two junior bacon cheeseburgers and no bread. So it's just meat, lettuce, tomato, cheese, bacon, mayonnaise. And I love it. I think it's so good. Um, there are times where I have to have like a wrap or something. But like I am so much better now at just saying no. Like I don't have to have these things. And I mean, when I say I say no, people don't understand that like I still like food arouses me. Like it, it hits me on all senses. I like shrimp and grits, banger. A good pizza from, oh my God, Pizza Hut, which I know is trash pizza, but like it's top tier fast food pizza to me. I put it way above Papa John's, although that new stuff crust does look good. Like I, I love Pizza Hut. I love Checkers Rallies, I think is what it's called in other places in the US. Uh, but like, I love food. Never been a huge sweets person. I do love sweets, but like I've always been more steak and potato, nachos, the sub sandwich. I like the entree and the appetizer more than I really do the dessert. Always. I've always been the salty, savory. Uh, now you can combine those, but I've always been the salty, savory preferred like meat thing. Um, food is still a huge part of my life, but it's just not as important to me anymore. The things that are really important to me, I'm more so interested in like dating, being social, uh, the female population of the world. Uh, I love having a social life. I like being out. I like being with people. Uh, I like, like I've never dated and I'm just now at this point in my life where I'm getting to date and I will spend $100 in gas and just to get to someone that wants to go on a date with me. Like I just, I've never had those experiences and I have such a more a thirst for that. Almost like I'm more addicted to, I'm addicted to that now than I, that I, I could switch from food because I'll spend stupid amounts of money and time to get to someone just to spend time with them. Um, because it's, it's just something I, 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 I crave almost to like a bad amount. Um, like, God, I'm a, I'm a sucker for compliments as well. That's that feels great to get those now. God, but like it, it feels so much different. I mean, I still see myself as a, I hate to say it like this, but an ugly fat guy. Like I, I have days where I just hate myself. I have days where I think I look pretty good, but most of the time I don't think I look good at all. I, it's still very like some of the girls that I've matched with on Facebook dating, Bumble, Tinder. I'm like, what? Who do you see? You're so attractive what in the world are like your personality's great you're a nine or a ten you're tatted you're pierced or you're like a wholesome little southern country girl like who how are you interested in me i'm this freckled ginger flabby idiot with an okay smile really great personality fantastic sense of humor but like i am a monster why are you matching with me Oh my God. And then I get like a super like or something. I don't even know girls could do that. And I'm like, what? What is it? What is it? You messaged me first. What is going on? Like, I'm, is this real life? And then I message them too much. And they end up, you know, yeah, <laughs> I have too much time on my hands. And they, and, and I'm too in, like, see, here's the thing. I am like a giddy little school kid, like a teenage guy that's like, overly texting his girlfriend because I have all this time 
and I'm so new to relationships. Meanwhile, it's a person in their late 20s or 30s that's jaded, uh, too busy with their kids and their job. No offense to them, but like they have obligations and things that take up their time, whereas I don't. And I have more time to text them than they have time to text me. And they're like, what's wrong with this guy? And then they think I'm some weird, creepy dude when it's really like, I'm just really overly anxious and excited to talk to you because yeah. this is not something I'm used to. Well, one of the things that I say a lot on the show is the bigger you get, the smaller your world gets. Like, and that's, you know, especially when you're 500, 600, 700, 800 pounds, your world is not very big. A lot of these no, things you're talking about being important just don't, it aren't even possible. Can like in, and I don't think people understand that. And so when you go through the process of, of changing your health, changing your body, losing weight, and all of these things open up, it makes sense that you could discover new priorities and new things that are, are exciting. Because, you know, you spent all that time where the only thing that could be exciting was food. You know, there was nothing else. There was nothing else to, you know, even look forward to, nothing else to give you that high, nothing else to kind of give you that experience. Exactly. And, you know, so it's like the world opens up. And like we were talking about a little bit a while ago, like it's you're you're new on the scene in this world that's been moving by without you. You know, it's like re-entering society after you. It's like you lived in Antarctica for a couple decades, and now you've been reintroduced into society. And I'm Encino man. Mm -hmm. Like I'm literally this guy that was frozen in time, and my life stopped. Like I was. People don't understand that when I say it's like a drug, like you lose, I lost myself in food. 100%. I did not, I was drowning. I did not see a light at the end of the tunnel. I did not think that anything that I was going to do was going to get me out of the situation I was in. I thought I was, when I say that I'm going to eat until I die, I physically meant that like, I'm just going to keep living this life. I literally meant that I'm going to keep living this life and the inevitable thing will be that I will just eat food until I inevitably end up just passing away from being overweight. Which, again, I will also say, technically, no matter what, you do eat until you die. Right. You won't eat food <laughs> until you die. So really, what's funny is that point actually was true on so many levels. But I did mean that all I exist to do is eat and play video games. And I will do this most likely until I die. Because I am drowning in this addiction and in this world. And I see no possible outcome. Because that's what a person that, that's addicted to meth or, or heroin would do. They live to get their drug and to get their fix, and they will do that until they die, unless they can break the addiction and break the chain, which is something I didn't think I could do because I was living in my addiction. People, they, like, they just don't understand that. Why would you say that? Oh, because that's the life that I only thought I was ever going to live. I never saw this. When people say congratulations on hitting 250 and reaching your goal, they don't understand that it's basically like I was a child saying, I want to be an astronaut. I didn't think it was real. I didn't think I'd get to 250. This is something I never thought I would do. I was just throwing out a number. Now I want to be smaller than 250, but like I was just throwing out a number that I didn't think was even achievable. It was never a thing that I thought I could do. Like, you know, the, a dad and a, and a mom may look at their kid and be like, yeah, you'll be an astronaut. Okay. That's literally what I what I was basically, I was like, uh, uh, I don't know, 250? That'd be cool. Because uh, I don't think I could do it. Like, I never saw this happening. Now, I, and people ask me like, you know, 
wow. how hard was the journey? It really wasn't that hard. Like you have the surgery, you're already eating a lower di diet before the surgery. You can't eat 24 hours, like 12 hours before the surgery. Like, actually, I think you're on water just before, like 24 hours before the surgery. So water only, liquids. Then after the surgery, you're on liquids again because your stomach has to heal. Then you're basically reintroduced to food slowly throughout like a, like a month and a half or two months. So like I didn't eat food. I lost a ton of weight because I was massive and my body was burning calories. And then as I now, all I really had to do up until like 400 pounds was just exist. Mm -hmm. If I just lived and stayed on the diet that I was already kind of on, I was going to lose weight. But then once I got, I would say maybe 450, uh, maybe even five. No, nah, 450 sounds good. 450 was where like I tr I really started to push more activity. I started walking a ton. I started hiking a ton. I started swimming more. I started trying to lift weights like around the house and stuff. I tried to be more active. I invited my friends out to go hiking. I went hiking with my cousin. Like I tried diets. Like I, I'll say at 450 and lower, I'm the reason I'm this small. I no longer really uh, will accept the fact of the surgery. The surgery pushes you to probably even 400 still. I would even give it that credit. But constantly, as I was going in for my checkups post-surgery, my nutritionist and, my, and, the, and the nurse practitioner would – not nurse practitioner, not the nutritionist. She would constantly say, have you thought about switching, uh, getting another surgery and going to the switch? And I was like, why would I do that? Well, I mean – uh, normally people don't keep losing weight past the point that you're at. So we're just, you know, we're, if you want to lose more weight, maybe you'd have another surgery. Meanwhile, every visit I was losing weight, every visit I was dropping pounds, every visit I was losing like 20, not 20, 15, 10, you know, five, losing more weight, losing more weight, losing more weight. And every time they would ask me if I would want that surgery, I was like, why do you keep offering me this other surgery when I'm still losing weight? Well, the answer to that is because everything in this world is about making money. And even if I'm being successful, the fact of the matter is they really would like for me to get another surgery because they would profit off that. I would lose more weight, sure, but they would make money off me getting the surgery. And I go see my nutritionist and nurse practitioner from this surgery from Dr. Proctor and them. I go see them for free. I never get a bill. I, I can go see them tomorrow and I won't get a bill. If I get if I get vitamins from them, I'll get a bill. But like I don't get I don't have to pay anything to go talk to them. Um, so like they know that now it's like a just like a, I'm just a I'm just a customer that's coming in to browse through their store that's mm. never going to buy anything. Uh, and that's not probably not something. I mean, they don't dislike me. Right. I'm not going to say it. they love me. I'm a great person, a success story for them to use forever. But like I am the reason now that I have gotten to 250, me. Like the things that I've changed, the 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 new habits in my life I've introduced, the way I live now is why I'm as low as I am. Um, it's no longer the surgery or the show or anything that pushed anything other than just like my willpower and my want to live. Also a huge catalyst for wanting to lose weight was because my brother had a son, I had a nephew, I became an uncle. I remembered how I had gray uncles when I was a kid. I am Thomas's only uncle. I love this stupid kid to death, and I want to be able to do things with him. I want to go to Disney World with him and make memories. I want to take him to see all the Marvel movies. I want to do all these things with him, and I wasn't going to be able to do that weighing 500 pounds. So, like, 
Thomas no. is a huge like thing in my life that helped me change. Um, and those are the things that are important, finding those driving forces, those things that keep you going. And I think it's great that you know that it has been, you know, you used the surgery for the tool that it was, but you then also have done what you needed to do to keep going, you know, because that's what, that's when you see people being successful. You know, that's when you see people using that opportunity and not allowing it to go past, you know, not allowing it to just be what that is, you know, allowing it to, to lead over into other areas of our lives. And like, what, what is Casey's life like now? Um, well, uh, we're trying to date. Uh, the dating scene is a very jaded, uh, cynical, uh, negative, depressed atmosphere. Uh, I find myself with more time than a lot of people my age. So I usually connect with people a little younger than me, uh, like people in their late thirties. Like I am usually have a career, kids, an ex, uh, husband, ex, you know, some person in their life that they were living with for a while. So they have this, they have all these red flags they're looking for. Uh, meanwhile, I'm literally just this bright eyed, bushy tailed teenage 37 year old that just wants to go on dates and cuddle and, watch movies together and go like, you know, drink at a bar, grab a coffee, even though I don't drink coffee. I just want all these things and the all these other people that say they want these things don't have the time. They're literally looking for red flags and as soon as you give them any kind of thing to worry about, they're quickly just shutting you off because they've been down that road before they think, whereas I'm a different person. Uh, I work at a Home Depot warehouse. I'm on leave right now for hernia surgery. I just had it like last Wednesday. That went well. Um, hopefully, I'll have skin removal early next January because I, I believe I know which doctor I'm going to choose. I still have two more that I could talk to, but I think I know who I'm going to choose. And uh, the earliest they can do it is December. So I'll probably have surgery for skin removal. The first surgery will be like mid January, probably because I would want to get through Christmas and New Year's Eve. Uh, so we're looking into that. Uh, I'm. I actually think I might apply to be a flight attendant for Delta because I want to travel. And everyone I've spoke to just says great things about like working and how they get to see so many parts of the country and the world. Uh, I want to be a dad. Uh, I have like this. I have this nurturing uh, father, like just. Emotion and like feeling, it's oh man, it's, I might even cry. Um, like I love my nephew, my cousin Ashley has a daughter named Aubrey. I'm like a second father to her, uh, and I'm and I'm I'm probably I'm kind of like her uncle as well, uh, but I'm really like her third cousin. Uh, I like there's this kid Ben, uh, that's my cousin as well. Like there's all these kids, that, and like when I when I'm around me, my friends that have like newborns or kids. If a kid will allow me to be like their friend, I immediately jump to their level of like fun and being like, you know, goofy. I just I have this paternal like thing now in me to where I want to have a family. I want to be a dad. Uh, I want to. Oh, man, I just want to raise someone and like leave a mark on the world and like have someone grow up to have a little part of me. And my personality, maybe have a better life than me, you know, have my sense of humor and my personality, but then like be good at sports or girlfriend in high school and live a normal life and not be a 35 year old virgin because that's what I was like. 
I'm so behind on so many things that I should know. Like kissing, making out with a girl, and then only being told, "Yeah, you're pretty good at like kissing." I'm like, "What? How? I didn't even do the thing where I made out with my hand as a kid. Like, what is this? Just a natural thing? Well, I didn't even know I was good at this. I should have been doing this forever." Like. There's just these all these new experiences in life that I, I'm a, I'm trying to go to concerts more. I mean, I used to love music. I still do love music. Uh, I'm just trying to live as active and as fun of a lifestyle as I can without being completely irresponsible and throwing out all my like you know responsibilities. I'm trying to be more worldly, expand my horizons, go places, meet people. I'm basically trying to live. All of my 20s in a few years in my 30s. Um, all these things were like, I want to go to another country. I want to travel. I want to see these places I've never seen, be places I've never been, meet people I've never met, uh, learn culture I don't know anything about. Uh, I don't want to stay in Georgia. I want to be gone because this. I've, I've, I've almost grown to like hate this place, which is terrible to say, but like Georgia's great, but it's Georgia. It's not Montana, it's not Colorado, it's not Washington, it's not California, it's not Texas, it's not New York. These are all places that like are so crazy different, and I just want to experience them. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to live, like key, like emphasis on the word trying to like just live. The the incredible thing is like I I think you can list all of those things that that you you know you want to do and have as goals now and listening to you talk about it, you know, I have no doubts about you doing all of those things because of hearing, you know, like I love that example, you know, that metaphor you used of being a kid who wants to be an astronaut, being how, where you were at when you thought about weight loss, like, and knowing that you've become an astronaut, you know, you have done, you've done that thing that seemed impossible. So now these other things, even if they feel impossible, you have that experience to say, well, I've already done one thing that felt that way. You know, wh- let me see what else I can do. Like, I, I think that's just incredibly powerful, man. I'm in a, I'm in a, every, uh, I'm not going to say everyone. Every, no, no, everyone. Almost everyone wants to be as unique as, as possible. Everyone wants to be an outstanding benchmark of a person. And I know almost without a doubt that I am. One, maybe there's two other people that have done this. I've got to be the only ginger guy to ever weigh over 800 pounds and then get back on, get back down to 250. I've got to be. I almost think that there, there may be no other. There is actually a redheaded guy that I follow on Instagram that is uh, big, but I don't know if he got to 800 pounds. I don't know his name. I'm going to track him down. Too. He was huge on TikTok, and he has a he has a bigger Instagram following than me. Oh, I know, I know. Actually, I know who you talk you're talking about. He was on the show. He had, in his one video, he spins the shoe, and he's wearing the shoes. Yeah, so yeah, like him. I actually wanted to talk to him. We we spoke a little bit on Instagram, but we never had a long conversation. Life just popped up. But like, um, him, like you know, I, I've got to be like you know, there are things that I can add to that that make me only one of one. Like you know. The only Scorpio ginger born uh, on November 20th named Casey. Like, But if I take away those things, I've got to be like in a 0.01% of like people to have done this. Like in a record book, I've got to be one of one. 
Um, and I feel like it's cra like that. Like I really have done this thing that I, I mean, I jokingly with my friends all the time say I'm a celebrity and I'm famous and stuff, but I'm only kidding. But sometimes people will come up to me and they recognize me off of Oompaville, Obese to Beast, uh, the Ethan Klein H3 thing, uh, or a Family by the Ton, or the Dr. Mike video. Like these are, these are internet celebrities. Like Oompaville is huge. Obese to Beast, huge. Ethan Klein, a literal celebrity. Dr. Mike, every, like not everyone, a lot of people know who he is. Like, these are huge people that have sprinkled something into my life where I was mentioned on their channel. And, like, it's now not even a thing where people can Like, they don't even necessarily now remember me from the show. I have people walking up to me at random, and they're like, yo, man, I follow you on your YouTube channel. I've seen your videos. Big fan. And I'm like, what? you see my stuff? You've seen... The things that I've made, not the family by the time stuff. You've seen my videos? Yeah, man. That's I was at a Braves game uh, last year when they clinched against the Dodgers. I was there with my stepdad, and a girl comes up to me and goes, Casey King? And I was like, yeah. Because I also went to high school with a lot of people. I knew their brothers. I knew their sisters. I knew a lot of people. I was, was pretty popular in high school. I know a lot of people around my area, or they know me. For random stuff like my family name is throughout the city also i was a terrible kid so i'm known for being a new um so i don't immediately go i do sort of now always think that someone knows me from the show and that's made me look like a big idiot in front of some people but she goes at me she goes casey king and i'm like yeah what's up she's like you're casey king i'm like yeah i watch your youtube stuff i know who you are off of your youtube channel this is at a Braves game, at a at, uh, a playoff game. So it, the stands are packed. This is a random person noticing me out of thousands of people coming up to me and saying that they know who I am. And I was like, what? You know me from me? Not family by the time, not Oakville, not whatever. Like, you know me from my stuff? That blows my mind. That still, like, shocks me to now. Um well, like it's crazy. Let's I'm tell let's tell people, man. If they want to follow your stuff, where do they find you? On YouTube, I think I'm Casey King underscore FBTT. I think C A S E Y K I N G underscore FBTT. Uh, on Instagram, I'm underscore Casey King underscore C A S E Y K I N G. Uh, you can put links in there if you want. I do. Oh, I definitely will put links to everything. Oh my god, you're the best. I don't promote my TikTok because. I don't make anything off of that, and it makes me cringe out of my absolute <laughs> mind. Uh, sadly, I got that thing monetized after like three of the biggest videos I ever like. One of them, two of them are like one of them six point six million views, and one of them is eight point six million views. Apparently, I could have made a pretty significant amount of money off those, uh, but I was monetized after the fact, unfortunate. But uh, yeah, like follow me, subscribe, like videos. Steal your friends' phones and do the same. Follow me on Instagram. If anyone has, like, here's the thing. I'm, I'm not a celebrity. Uh, not in any way, shape, or form. I'm a very normal dude that has normal dude problems. Uh, so if you're over, if you're listening to this and you're a fan of Gormy and you want to ask me a question, DM me on Instagram. And I, if I see it, 
uh, I will answer it. Uh, I will get back to you in some way, shape, or form somehow. Uh, I'm pretty active with the people that I talk to. I'm not any kind of, like, you know, I'm sure if I became like a larger internet uh, symbol, it may be more difficult. But I've got nothing but time on my hands. If you've got a question about weight loss or be interested in sleeve surgery, I will give you as much information as I possibly can. Um, or even if you're enormous and you need clothes, I have so many clothes. We're not really trying to give them away, but we would if we had to. We're trying to sell them, but like, yeah, hit me up about stuff. I'm, I'm very uh, normal, down to earth. Well, Casey, I, I, I have really appreciated your time today. I'm going to put links to all of that in the show notes. I feel like there we could probably go on for another two hours and talk about other things. You know, I just really have, have enjoyed this conversation. So one of the things that I do before I end every episode is I have five questions I call the Fat Guy Five that I ask everyone to answer. Are you ready for your run through those questions? I will try to keep my answer short. I'm very bad at picking like a one word answer, but yeah, go ahead. Well, we'll do our best, man. We'll, that's a, we'll okay. do our best. We'll be, we'll be good. Question number one, Casey, living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? Chris Farley. See, there. look at that. You did that one. That was good. Question number two, Casey, what is one lesson that being a fat guy has taught you? Let me think. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you, what do you want in life? Do you want short-term happiness or long-term new experiences and, like, refreshing happiness? Do you want to indulge in quick things that will make you happy very short-term? Or do you want to put work into long-term happiness that can, like, last a much more lengthy amount of time and be more fulfilling? There we go. Question number three, Casey, if someone out there listening is, is that overweight person who wants to get started, what is your biggest piece of advice of something they can actually do today? Track your food for like a couple of days. Mm. Take notice of the most unhealthy things you do and try to make small changes in those things. You know, don't cut your, cut your portions down a little bit. Cut some of the fat out a little bit. Um, drink more water all day. I mean, literally dr like drown yourself almost. Water, 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 water. And if you are active, try to increase your activity a little more. Just do a little more in these little areas, these three things. Drink a little more water. Portion control and kind of you know cut out some of the, the bad parts of your, your meals. And then be more active. Those three things can skyrocket you into like losing weight and changing your lifestyle. There we go. Question number four, Casey, what's one thing about yourself that you love? My personality. There we go. Sense of humor as well. The personality. Sense. There we go. Question number five, man. Last question of the day for you. What is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? I want to go to another country. Not another country, another continent. Another country is too easy. Uh, Japan, Europe or uh, Asia. One of the two. There we go, man. There we go. And like I said, I'm going to have in the show notes, 
if people want to follow along and see where you end up, they can do that. And man, I just want to say a big thank you. I really appreciate you re responding to me, taking the time and, and sitting down with us today. I've had a great time, Gormy. I will say, if I wasn't going to say Chris Farley, it would have been either been John Candy or Maddie Matheson. Maddie Matheson is life. That guy is unbelievable. I love him on every level. But uh, it's been great. I enjoy the opportunity. If I rambled on at any point or spoke, uh, you know, crudely, I'm sorry. I never shut up, and I have no filter. Sometimes I've tried to handle myself uh, with, you know, care here. No worries. No worries at all, man. I think everyone out there listening is going to appreciate it. And don't forget, people, you can also connect with me on Instagram at GourmetGhostKeto. You can follow me on Twitter at GourmetGhostKeto. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. And my friends, after you connect with Casey, go on out there today. Do something to amaze yourselves because you're the most amazing people that I know. And then catch us here on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum.